Welcome to Sustainable 111. 111. We are Sustainable, your friendly little environment podcast, all about people and the planet and why, despite everything being toilet, we can have a little chuckle about it every now and then and tickle it under its tinkly bits, ain't we all? <laughs> yes, yes, let's tinkle our toilety bits under their tinkly bits. <laughs> and what we got coming up this week then? Oh, by the way, how are you, by the way? I'm very well, thank Good. you. And how old are you? I'm older, thanks yeah. very much. Uh, yes, I'm now an adult. An adult? I'm an adult. Anyway, what we got coming up this week then? Tourism. Or Tories. Toryism. No, tourism going on our holidays. We're going to be talking about if it can be done in a way that doesn't gnaws up the planet. Um, how much is it gnawing up the planet? Shouldn't we just all be able to go on a holiday and have a break every now and then? That sort of thing. But there's been some news. We're going to use that as a jumping off point before we dive in to the lovely Adriatic water of tourism below. Just the usual disclaimer, or we do work for environmental charities, but these are very much our own views. So if you've got any beef with anything that me or him say, take it up with me or him, and not with anyone for whom we work. Yes? Yes, all right, proceed to take off. You all right? <laughs> it's my aeroplane noise. Crikey Moses, I did not know that. So, crikey Moses, I did not know that. This is a section where some stuff lands in our inbox and we go, oh, oh, blimey. Ooh, that's some, oh, uh, that's some surprising stuff. Oh, lordy. I'll just treat that like other emails that make me go, oh, blimey, and um, ignore it. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so what, uh, what surprising stuff are you dolloping in my inbox then, Oh, Well, this week we are surprisingly dolloping the fact that the impact of tourism on carbon emissions. Why do you keep saying Toryism? I don't. What's I wrong with your saying, accent? I'm not. <laughs> nothing. And I'm saying tourism. 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 Like a drink. Please have one. Really? Huh. Huh. Like it. Things have got pretty lax since I came here. <laughs> the impact of going on holidays in terms of carbon, is apparently four times previous estimates. And previous estimates were that about 2% of greenhouse gases globally uh, came from tourism, came from people going on their holidays, and is actually nearer eight. Christ. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this includes, this is a study what came out uh, while we were off. I think, um, recently anyway, from the University of Sydney, which is in Australia, which is a place that people go on holiday. So I hope they realise that they are shooting themselves in the foot. And this study (laughs) says that if you include not just flying in the aeroplanes, but you include things like the food that tourists eat when they're on holiday and like running hotels and all of the shit that people (laughs) buy and send back, you know, I went to Ibiza and all I got was this stuffed armadillo, that kind of thing, Uh, then the, 
<laughs> then the um, yeah, then it takes it up to eight percent, eight percent of global greenhouse gas emissions, all off of the holidays. What people go on because they want to have a break from all of the mindless consumption that we do. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I mean, that se- that seems like a lot. Yes. Uh, yes, it does. I'll- I, I, I w- if I had thought about this properly, I would have thought, what else is eight percent? And probably like. There aren't. A, there isn't a single country that is responsible for eight percent. It's because that's usually a comparison, isn't it? You're like, oh, that's the equivalent of like all of Germany's emissions. But eight percent must be bigger than America. Must be bigger. Well, than- UK is two percent. America is five times bigger than UK. America's more polluted than the UK. So it's yeah, probably actually like America get, probably getting off about two thirds. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Anyway, so that, that's an awful lot. It's interesting. I found it interesting because. Like for years and years and years, the first thing that people wanted to talk about when you started talking about like climate change and stuff was like was flying. It's always been that kind of symbol of like, oh, but you just want people to stop flying. It's all flying, flying, flying. And as if that's the only thing that actually is causing climate change. Um, And going back and listen to episode... 79. 79, where we talked to uh, the very wise and beautiful and lovely Leo Murray, uh, who talked about his frequent flyer levy idea. Anyway, he talked about this whole thing of like the proportion of people who are doing the flights is actually relatively small and there should be a tax on them, blah, 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 blah. Anyway... I think it's interesting because people think flying is the bête noire and it turns out it is. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, flying itself is is about sort of like five or six percent, something like that, according to this study. But then you add on some other stuff as well. Um, and I think the interesting point here is not we're not going on about flying again. Go back and listen to episode seventy nine. What oh, yeah. we do want to talk about. Do you know what was going to happen? Is that I was going to recall all of the things in my brain about flying as if they were new information, but actually they'll just have been things that Leo said in a podcast I was on not that long ago. Quite. We've gone on holiday by mistake. You like going on holiday, don't you, Will? Yes. Where do you go? When's the last holiday you went on? The last holiday I went on was to France. Oh, terribly sorry to hear that. <laughs> You're right. I like France. I'm going to France again this year. Trebon. Yes. Which bit? Dordogne. Mange too. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, you Dordogne. are going to Yeah, yeah Dordogne. Yeah, are you getting um, there then? Pogo stick? No, we are going to be. Well, this year. It looks like we're going to be driving all the way there, which is probably worse than flying or something. I don't know. But the reason we're doing that is because we're going on a camping holiday uh, for the first bit of it, at least, which means taking loads of stuff. Combining camping holiday with toddler, it turns out, is a logistical um, challenge. And (laughs) especially when you don't own a car. So then like hiring a car in this country and then being allowed to take it abroad, that's expensive and logistically challenging and things like that. So, yeah. So is that ecotourism that you're doing then there? Is that what that is? What's ecotourism, Ol? Oh, I don't know what ecotourism is. I, I mean, if by ecotourism you mean like sort of conscious holidays <laughs> as opposed to your Ibiza holiday you mentioned previously. I'm going to uh, Holland in a few weeks. I think it might be an unconscious holiday. There you go. Yeah. I guess it means... Like, as with kind of the ethical lifestyle that people who listen to the podcast try to lead, generally thinking about the impact you're going to make. So not flying, um, going to places where if you're staying in a resort or something, you know that they are taking lots of action to keep the surrounding area preserved, not have too much adverse impact, protect the local wildlife, um, not screw over people who live there, like don't ruin the livelihoods of the local people, that sort of thing. Yeah, listeners will have noticed I was ticking off um, 
points that Ol was making there. Oh, right. Um, I genuinely wasn't even reading the list that you no, no, wrote no. in prep for this. I didn't, I didn't write a list. This is, um, let me introduce you, Ol, to a fount of babble. Uh, would Good. you would you like to be dunked knackers first into a fount of babble? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Tea bags in babble. <laughs> right. Well, this is the International Eco Tourism Society, and all of those things that you said already sounds bad. To be yes, honest. indeed. So, the uh, International Eco Tourism Society. What are a society uh, made up of perfectly august institutions? What do like ecotourism and stuff? And they do kind of define it in the way that you just said. But to get there, you have to wade through this. Offering market-linked long-term solutions, ecotourism provides effective economic incentives for conserving and enhancing biocultural diversity and helps protect the natural and cultural heritage of our beautiful planet. And, um, this. By increasing local capacity building and employment opportunities, Ecotourism is an effective vehicle for empowering local communities around the world to fight against poverty and to achieve sustainable development. So, I mean... Yeah. Market-linked long-term solutions. Well, that, yeah. mean, that means people will pay uh, for offering effective economic incentives. What does, does market-linked mean? I don't bloody know. People will pay. I think that's what it means. doesn't mean, like, physically connected to a place where there's a market, does it? It doesn't mean like off the side of a market. This is talking about capitalism. It's capitalism. It? Right. Yeah, it's capitalism. Market-linked long-term solutions. Okay. It's like ecotourism is good because capitalism. And then also <laughs> some stuff about the planet, right? And then it talks about how like increasing local capacity building and employment opportunities. It means like jobs in green hotels. That's what that means. Or jobs in like taking people to go and look at the monkfish or the guava. Yeah, I suspect it more means that, doesn't it? It's like... There's there's a lovely animal or collection of animals here which are no doubt being driven to extinction by climate change yeah. and biodiversity loss. But if you pay to come and look at them, we might be able to put some money, some of that money, into conservation efforts locally that may or may not happen without that. I suppose. I mean, you, oh God, you, how far back do you want to go? Like, there's always this idea that actually, you know, people who are who belong to the land. Uh, a best place to look after things that are on it and it's always in the interest of, of populations that live there to preserve the land so it's a quite imperialistic thing to be like we'll come over and do your conservation for you because um, you know in the case of I think you dug out the like the Maasai stuff in uh, sub-Saharan Africa it's like we'll boot you off the land that you were managing for centuries and centuries perfectly well and now we'll do a safari lodge yeah. to conserve yeah. Your land. But it's all right. Which we've now got. Exactly. We're building your capacity. Shut your face. Um, (laughs) It's market led. (laughs) Shut off. Um, We talked about this with that Chris Packham. Do you remember? Yeah. Back in episode 24 when we went to that Chris Packham's house and we talked to him about shooting animals in the face uh, (laughs) in order that you can then use the money to stop other animals being shot in the face. Or at least that's the idea. So, Mm. uh, which we didn't really go broader than that and talk about like safaris and that kind of thing. Uh, But, uh, you know, one of the things that ecotourism, I think, is all about is taking people with cash to go and see nice things uh, and you then preserve those nice things because it's in your economic incentive to preserve them nice things if you live near them nice things like if that nice thing is an elephant and previously you might have got the hump the elephant because the elephants come along and trampled on your begonias um, you might be dissuaded from kicking it in the face if uh, you can have some money for not kicking it in the face and that's kind of what like a bit of ecotourism is right Um, but in order to do a lot of that stuff 
you've got to kind of seize vast amounts of land, right? Mm-hmm. Like Costa Rica, I was reading about this, it's somehow 20% of Costa Rica, which is your world's premier destination, apparently, for oh, really? tourism. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's massive. It's like it's properly marketed itself. It's gone like, come to Costa Rica, come and look at our guava fruit. Um, we've got nice guava fruit, right? Um, I mean, it's a bold strategy, but I'm delighted it's working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if you have guava fruit in Costa Rica. Um, What's so great about Costa Rica? Why should you go to Costa Rica? It's just it's beautiful, isn't it? A uh, friend of the Babel. Have Mar- you researched Costa? Friend Rica? of the Babel, Marie Reynolds went to Costa Rica, Did and she? she she said Costa Rica was beautiful, got nice guava fruit, um, etc. Uh, and you don't? Do you know where Costa Rica is? Yes, I do. Where is it? Concacaf. 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 Uh, that bit. Central America, Central American football bit. It's in Central America. Yes. yes. And I know that. I was just checking that, that you do. You sounded a bit like you didn't know that. I do know that. I know okay. exactly where it is. Okay. Concacaf. Good. Yes. And they've turned 20... They've got a big old strategy. Come to... Come to... Come look at our guava fruits. And they've turned 20% of Costa Rica into national parks, right? Bloody hell. Which is fine, um, but... And it's obviously, if you sort of look at it from a greenie point of view, that's a lot of stuff that is a national park. But it's all kind of being done for rich people in other countries to come and look at your guava fruit. It's not really yeah. being done in the interests of people what live there. So that's the thing. Is that a problem? What do you think about that then? Well, it is if people who live there are being told they can't live there, isn't it? I mean, I guess this, I don't know, this comes up again and again, doesn't it? Because... Uh, I spent some time in Zambia on the edge of a national park uh, where there's a kind of, they call it, what's it called? Like government maintained area or something, GMA I think it's called, where it's not national park, but you are allowed to have like a hunting license there and set up a lodge. How did that go? What do you mean? You're hunting. I didn't, I wasn't doing hunting. I was doing conserving. I was counting beetles. So they would always make the case that uh, there was a huge amount of illegal poaching in the area, destroying the area of its biodiversity. Hunting Park comes in with money, employs people with guns to say, sod off if you're a poacher. Um, Good thing. Wildlife comes back for them to shoot some of, but not very much of, and wildlife numbers increase. That's always the argument, isn't it? And it is... I think there was, a, I think, you know, there was a complicated thing that we were reading the other week about, like, yeah. how that had happened with elephants. A lot, like, hunting elephants had massively boosted their numbers. And, I, and there was another thing I was reading about the proportion of places, like, obviously, national parks, places designated by states, by governments to do this, um, are great. Probably not brilliantly funded in, in a number of places. But in um, in South Africa, apparently private reserves cover more than double the area of public reserves in South Africa. So so that is, to be clear, that is like you would go there on that ecotourism holiday yeah. and went spending presumably galumphing great wadges of cash yeah. uh, in order to go look at some animals that you can only look at because they're being protected by rich people. Yeah, and that probably includes some hunting places as well. I don't know. I don't know the stats, but... It's tricky, isn't it? I mean, that's good news for the animals. Yeah, but almost certainly, because they're private reserves, the people running them can run them how the hell they like. So if there's people they want to kick off the land, probably they can just do that. I don't know, and it's probably very corrupt. So it's complicated. It's complicated. But if you've got an economic system in that country which drives people to poach, because how else are they going to feed their families or whatever then that's a problem. And just telling them people you can't poach anymore or shooting them in the face because they're poaching, that's a problem. Problem. 
So I'm being a little bit unfair to the International Ecotourism Society a minute ago, because once you get past all the babble, they've got a really good list of stuff that is a definition of ecotourism, right? So you don't mess stuff up. You're like respectful for people that are there. You get some money which goes directly to conserving stuff, and you respect the rights and beliefs of indigenous indigenous people and get them jobs, right? So there's got a sort of you know manifesto for good ecotourism, but the problem is there's no actual definition of ecotourism. This is kind of what we've been getting at. So figures suggest it's growing at like. Like 10% a year as hippies like you decide that you want to go on an eco-tourist holiday and then you know you do that and you'll get some brochure which says come and stay in our eco-tourist lodge and that'll be great and you'll fly there and your non-eco-tourist jumbo jet and you'll get chauffeured there yeah but I'll, I'll have contributed you know 5% of my ticket price to a Nick Carbon offsetting scheme so it's all fine take her down smithies uh, you're flying the plane sir excellent <laughs> And, and then you'll get there and you'll have something that, like, you know, it's, it's in a nice place. It's in some eco and it's tourism. <laughs> but it's not otherwise. There's no standard to a lot of this stuff, right? Um, and 90% of the cash, apparently, that, you know, is spent on ecotourism doesn't go anywhere. doesn't go to the countries, doesn't go to the people that may or may not have access to that land and don't go to conservation. It goes to big, fat landowners or big, fat property owners or big fat entrepreneurs in countries like the USA and that sort of thing so yeah. it's a tricky thing I don't want to be down on it because like there's I can see an awful lot of benefits for it and surely all things being equal scenario A you go on a holiday where you go and trample over an orchid or scenario B you go on one where you don't we'll go for that one won't we yes ideally yeah I mean it, it does feel like as with so many things people with their busy lives and blah, 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 uh, would like there to be a label that is applied to holidays that they can trust and go, okay, because this is called ecotourism, I don't, I don't need to look into it. I know that it's doing all the right things. The reality is, like as you say, these labels never mean anything. And you've just, you've just unfortunately, you've got to engage your brain <laughs> in all of it. And it's, it's tiring, isn't it? It is tiring, but... No one else, no, no company whose primary driver is to get you to sign up to their holiday is going to, you know, tell you all the warts and all stuff, are they? Like, you've just got to engage your brain and make a choice. And you've probably got to accept that there are always going to be elements of going on a holiday somewhere which are, you know, are going to leave, leave an impact. And that's just, that's just what humans do. There's billions of us and we have an impact wherever we are, whether it's a holiday or not. As the world gets richer because economic growth, uh, there'll be more people having more holidays. And then you'll yeah. get yeah, and then you'll get more of the greatly ironic things happening, like people going to the Himalayas, as I believe posh people call it, um, to <sighs> go. You know, you've let yourself down there because oh. um, Himal Himal means hill, <laughs> right? Sake. Himalaya is the plural, yeah. means hills. So sticking an S on the end of it. Is Hills's. <laughs> so what, say it for me. That what's it called? Himalaya. <laughs> Himalaya. 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 Is that what your cousin's called? <laughs> it's, it's Baby Oz's fourteenth middle name. Himalaya. 
Kamalia knobhead. Right. <laughs> Look, uh, the point is that in Nepal and places like that, there's so many people going to these places because they're beautiful, but mm. they are nausing up the places, right? Yeah. There's so many people trying to go to Everest and climb up Everest that they're nausing up Everest. They're like, wait, you know, just these huge queues of people causing all this sort of impact on it. And well, then, base, yeah, base, Everest Base Camp. I mean, well, there's, a, there's actually the same is happening going up Everest as well, but that's the people. Oh, sorry, Everest, <laughs> as it should actually be called. Oh, no, Tarquin, I, I can't come shopping on the King's Road today. Yeah, because I'm, I'm literally in Burma. Yeah, no. And then, like, the even greater irony, go back and listen to episode 49, when we talked about the Great Barrier Reef and things like that, which, uh, beautiful thing. I've been to the Barrier Reef. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and we're nausing it up through a combination of, A, all of the stuff on people's skins and in their hair and stuff, washing out and, like, nausing mm. it, um, but from is, going to see it. This is a big thing, apparently. Sorry to interrupt, but, yeah. Was... Coral bleaching. Well, we talked to that David Suggett about it, didn't we? Back Oxo- in... Oxobenzone. Is apparently the thing. This is, this is a common chemical found in um, sunscreens. And apparently it's the spray on ones that are particularly bad. Lots of the chemical is in it. But also, because it's an aerosol, the vast majority of what is sprayed out doesn't go on your skin. It goes into the air and then goes down onto the sand and then just gets washed directly into the sea. So apparently, don't use a spray on sun, sun cream is what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah. these... Um, Conditioners in your hair, all that Yeah, sort of it's stuff. really, really nasty. So a bit of that. So people go in there directly, it's nausing it up. And then, of course, people fly in there from all around the world to go see it is causing climate change, which is also nausing it up. Um, and <laughs> hey! so, and then what you're going to get is the more and more and more nausea it gets and the rarer and rarer and rarer it is, the more and more and more people are going to want to go see it and the richer you'll have to be to go see it. And so the, ri- the, more, the richer you are, the more likely you are to go see it anyway. So you're going to get richer and richer people doing all of the travelling to go and see a thing that only rich people can afford to see, which rich people are nausing up so no one else can see it. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this is the thing, isn't it? I, I would like to wager that there are people listening to this podcast who have a very similar thought process to this, which is, I know in my sort of gut that it's bad to go on big, long flights mm. just to go on a holiday to see somewhere pretty. Brace yourself, listener. There's a confession coming. No, there isn't. But... I really want, you know, I love and am inspired by and moved by the natural world. And whilst, you know, Croydon is lovely, I would like to go to some of the remote rainforests in Tanzania. Or <laughs> you were say Penge. Or Penge, yeah, on the old 76. People think flying bad, mustn't do it. However, I love beautiful natural stuff. I would like to go and see it before it disappears. Uh, and I have those thoughts all the time. I have it particularly with regards to Baby Ol. Like when he gets a bit older, I, I almost certainly will have a strong desire to take him to some of the places that are most beautiful, most precious, most likely to get nosed up and disappear. And in doing so, we'll be hastening their nosing up and disappearing, won't I? <laughs> So another thing that tourism is screwing up tourism. is <laughs> shut up 
is the uh, the way that like species are getting transported to places they shouldn't be invasive species, alien species, bastards, bastards. like the top mouth gudgeon. Exactly. Go yeah. back and listen to episode six for more on the top mouth gudgeon, invasive little bastard coming over here, filling up our ponds with its face, its <laughs> fins. Well, luckily there was a war declared on the top mouth gudgeon, right. and that was the end of that. Uh, the <laughs> Yeah, this is a very similar thing. So, um, you know, there are bigger problems in terms of the undesired spread of plants and animals around the world, not least trade. Okay, and this has been this is how it all started in like centuries ago. We started shipping things around the world that we shouldn't. Um, But it is. But tourism is a thing. Um, People, you know, like in Australia, have always been very strict about it because Australia is relatively um, you know, there, there's so many species there that are endemic, but it's also relatively kind of they contained. F- they fumigate you when you land. Yeah, and yeah. they're really, really. The, the, I'm not sure that's what they do. I know, yeah. I know, and the, and the fines for like bringing in fruit from somewhere else or something like that are, are massive. So they're serious about it. I can't stop everything, but uh, you know, they give it a good go. However, lots of places aren't quite as stringent, and lots of people aren't as stringent. And you know, I think lots lots of people think of. Some an animal as you know a cat or bigger, whereas you know little microbes that are on your boots uh, are, are animals, and they're going to be uh, transported to places they shouldn't be. Stuff like that. Uh, the one of the main places where things have gone very badly is the Galapagos, as we were talking about back in episode ninety three with that Liz Bonin. Yeah. Um, so she didn't sort of go into all that much detail about how bad. <laughs> It's got in the Galapagos. Uh, you know that Carol Calwater, Cal, Cal, Cadwallader. You're right, mate. Ca- Ca- How do you say her name? I don't. Okay. For that reason. Right. The person who did all the Cambridge Analytica reporting, amazing stuff. She wrote an article six years ago um, about her trip to, a lovely expense paid trip to the Galapagos, uh, talking about how it's menaced by tourist invasion. And one of the things is like, yeah, you know, all of these, um, there's like entire areas of the island are overtaken by blackberries that aren't supposed to be there uh it's oh man it's just bad finches are going extinct because there's a blood-sucking parasite that's being introduced that shouldn't be and these are the finches that helped darwin like form his theory of evolution so like really totemic things so yeah galapagos screwed um <laughs> and that's you know think about that one that's a very isolated place where things have evolved in a very particular way mm. and are not resilient to other things basically I think the planet's going to turn into essentially nettles. I think I think nettles will win, or possibly like those ladybirds that aren't the aren't the ones that live in the UK. Oh, the orange ladybirds. Yeah, not the red ladybirds. I've got red ladybirds in my bathroom. In fact, round about now is when the red ladybirds come out. Oh, nice. I've got a little family of ladybirds oh, uh, living in the bathroom. Nice. Yeah, my girlfriend doesn't know that. She's about to find out the hard right. way. <laughs> But yeah, I think, you know, eventually everything's going to get mixed it up together. It's going to be a fight to the death and nettles are going to win. The 
that this is a prodigious minefield of babble, this one. We don't remotely have time. Listeners, do send us your favourite, as we enter holiday season, your favourite tourism-related slices of babble. That's a great idea. Yes. There's gonna, I bet there's going to be more than usual this year. Absolutely, I bet there is. We'll go, well, you know, plastic-free and carbon-free and because of the blue planet effect. Well, oh, because of the blue planet effect, things like this are happening. So this is an announcement from Alaska Airlines, uh, which is a uh, non-carbon-free means <laughs> of flying people around uh, and buggering everything up. They are not the only airline buggers everything up. They all bugger everything up. Yay. But this is something from one of them. But don't worry, all They are here to save the planet. Uh, I, don't, I don't doubt it, but pray tell why. They're getting rid of... Flights! No! Uh, jet fuel! No! Uh, any private transport to the airport? No! Uh, meat from their menus? No! Uh, I don't know. Straws! 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 Plastic straws. As Shaunta Hyde, who is the managing director, brackets community relations, close brackets, for Alaska Airlines, says... Plastic is a serious issue for our planet. What's important is continuing to move the global supply chain toward making sustainable materials accessible and affordable. Plastic straws are of special concern because they cannot be recycled and they've been shown to kill birds and other marine life. Well, that's a very, very solid statement there, Shaunta. Um I mean, let's not, let's not, you know, brainstorm other things that are a an issue for the planet. Uh, how many plastic straws have uh, Alaska Airlines dished out recently, Dave? 22 million. Oh, 22 million plastic stir straws and citrus picks uh, on its flights. And, and it's what? Citrus picks. What's a citrus pick? Well, that's a thing you pick a citrus with. There's a picture of it there, look. It's a thing like you get a drink, oh, like a gin things. and tonic, and straddling it, akimbo, across the grass. Glass is a bit of lime, what is being held up there, with a citrus pick. That's so pointless. Yep, totally pointless. Uh, like, but I want, if we're getting a gin and tonic, I want the lime in it, not suspended above it via a citrus pick. Well, uh, that, uh, I guess they're now switching to sustainable versions as opposed to just putting the lime in. They're now going to straddle it with a sustainable citrus pick. God's sake. Yeah. Uh, Alaska Airlines now say they will introduce non-plastic, marine-friendly drinking stores for customers that request them. <laughs> what? Well, if you ask for a marine-friendly, non-plastic citrus pick, you'll get one. Oh, my God. So for the four people that have bothered to read this article on USA Today and are taking an Alaskan Airlines flight that bother to pipe up and say, uh, hello, yeah, I'm a dick. Hi, everybody. I just want everyone to know I'm a dick. I'm one of those people you really don't want to get stuck next to. Can I exchange my citrus pick that you've already got here for one that's marine friendly, please? And they go, yes. Sure. What should we do with this one? (laughs) Yeah. And they give that one to the person next to me. Oh, for God's sake. How pathetic. You're getting tetchy. Oh, no, now, don't call me Tetchy. You know what happens when you call me Tetchy. Well, I'm calling you it now. It's exactly what I'm calling you. Tetchy, Tetchy, Tetchy. Right, at this point, Dave wants me to set up (laughs) an admittedly quite good joke that he's already used in a bit that we're not going to put in the edit. So, Dave, will it make a difference? Uh, I don't know, Ol. Does Arabella know? I'll ask her. 
No, no, no. Alaska. 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 Arabella, will it make a difference? I imagine this will make a big difference. They are a very real wood alternative and quite nice. They are a very real wood alternative. What does that mean? Does that mean they are wood or they are an alternative to wood that's very real? I don't know. I just, it just matters to me that my citrus picks are quite nice. <laughs> Fly me to the moon. Your average babble listener, um, and indeed, are there any other type? <laughs> wow. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you very much. Your average babble listener is probably a damn sight more worried about this and lives a damn sight more of an attentive carbon life, even if they don't actually like, live up to it, than your average bastard with a 4 by 4 like my mate who's on his third holiday of the year already. Right. Right. And um, so there is a lot like, you know, I like Ol, ever since episode 92, listener, Ol has tried to conclude every episode with the reason why it's not all his fault that the planet is going to hell. And this is another one that basically you can say if you want that, like, if you live the greenest life you can live uh, and you don't go on holiday that often, then a flight every now and then is fair game, right? Um, except... Everyone could argue that, couldn't they? And this is what happens. People go, ah, oh, I put my recycling out. I'm allowed to rev my 4x4 four four and burn a fridge in the front garden. Like, who get who? Well, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a, like, a spreadsheet of ins and outs. It shouldn't be like a transactional thing. You should, like, if you th- agree that saving the world is probably a good idea, then you should be making every reasonable effort to conduct your life in a way that is compatible with that. So you should be doing those things because they're good things, right? Uh, not because if you do enough of them, you store you store up sufficient credit to go on a, on a flight. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realise that's how it worked. I thought this was all maths. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, the, the point. I guess the point I'm keen to make is that almost certainly, the average babble listener, and the distinctly unaverage babble listener, uh, is is giving this a lot more thought than the people who are doing a lot more damage. So I'm sure, you know, we are, the majority of people listening to this podcast, I, I presume, are in rich Western countries where just by living, our impact is greater than it is if you are somebody else in the vast majority of the rest of the world, right? So right. that's fine. But there's there's scales within that. And there are an awful lot of people who were not listening to this podcast and couldn't give a shit about the planet who will be taking 15 flights a year you know, doing all of the incredibly high carbon destructive stuff and they won't be worrying about it. They won't be fretting about it or giving it any thought in the way that people on this podcast are. So I would, yeah, I guess, well, I don't know if people on this podcast are, but I am. And I'm going to say to myself, don't beat yourself up about it. Just do what you can and bring down capitalism. You So that's just about it for another episode of Babble. 111 in the can. That is the Nelson in cricketing terms. That's the, that's the number when something bad always happens. Well, da, da, da. well, nothing bad has happened thus far, has it? Oh. 
watch it. Right. Okay. Um, so thank you all for babblifying so beautifully. Thank you for coming back to me for more babble after our little babble hiatus. Thank you to Arabella for so nobly reading out the eco guff. Thank you as always to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this here podcast and to the wonderful Arthur Stovall for the logo that adorns it. And who designed all the merch that you can now definitely buy. No, you can't, you can't buy. Uh, Sorry. But we've we've got a quote. <laughs> we've got, a, got some numbers. Yeah. We, we'll we find we... out how expensive it is to make merch. Yeah. <laughs> turns out you really need to be confident that you're going to sell a lot of merch yes. uh, so anyway we are good we're committed to this there's going to be merch yes we've we've asked a company to quote us for t-shirts and we'll probably be asking a different one uh, fail to see what more we could do <laughs> so you know we're on it we're very much on it uh, if you want to get in touch with us uh, and tell us where we can get cheap t-shirts made in a very ethical way uh, you can drop us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish uh, you can always tweet us at the babble wagon search for us on facebook just search sustainababble uh, what else have we got oh, well we got the if you love the babble in your ear holes and you wish to contribute to its ongoing financial viability yes. uh, and help us get some merch that we can sell to make more money to make more babbles uh, then you can donate to us we have got a crowdfunder at wobblywobblywobbly.patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sustainababble where you can grow the small but loyal band of uh, babble contributors to slightly more than it is already they are the loveliest people in the universe. People are choosing to give us idiots money to make this drivel, and we are so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give us more, you bastards. Right. Uh, we shall be back next week. Until then, all if you could try to avoid going a holiday to any romantic locations and nausing up the entire biodiversity base of the places that you go and ruining any prospective young baby all having anything beautiful or indeed breathable air or a survivable climate in order that he may indeed survive to see more than his fifth birthday, then if you could avoid that, it'd be great. I'm going to Nottingham for the weekend. Does that count? Yeah, that'll do. That's fine. Yeah. So you're, you're relaxed about my potential impact on the biodiversity of Nottingham? Yes, I'm supremely relaxed. <laughs> okay. Bye! Bye! How do you spell... Right. The word Y-O-U-R. How do you pronounce that? Ewer. Ewer? Well, no, but... Ewer? Yeah, but... No, but... Uh, Tor. Ewer. The, the word Y-O-U. How do you pronounce that? U. Right, with a rhythm on the end. Eurism. No... You don't have rhythms, you have isms. <laughs> you cretin. <laughs>